morning and welcome to worship. Wonderful to see you. Uh, everything you need to fully participate in our worship is in the bulletin. We invite you to express yourself in song and words and prayer and join with us. And we begin always in confessing our sins, so I invite you to stand and turn to the first page of your bulletin. As we remember our baptism, worshiping in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sin, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Gracious God, have mercy on us. We confess that we have turned from you and given ourselves into the power of sin. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things we have done and things we have failed to do. Turn us again to you and uphold us by your spirit so that we may live and serve you in newness of life. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. In the name of Jesus, your sins are forgiven, and all that is Christ's is yours. Thanks be to God.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O oh God, rich in mercy, you look with compassion on this troubled world. Feed us with your grace and grant us the treasure that comes only from you, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Hey guys, 
Anybody know what this is? A dollar bill, yes. Also known as Cadence's offering today, yes. Hi, Cadence. <laughs> Uh, instead of a $20 bill? Well, actually, I, had, I still have a $1 bill in my, in my wallet, and I had about $12 yesterday, but now I have one. It's magic how that happens, isn't it? Hmm. All right, I did. So is this, a, is this good or bad? Is it good or evil, this money? Is it good? Okay, good. It can corrupt you, you think? How so? Oh, so you might think if I have a certain amount of these, probably more than one, I might be worth something, he said. Okay, yeah, that might be a way that we think sometimes, right? So, uh, but when can this be good? Okay, when you're giving it to people who need help, uh-huh, yeah. If you're trying to buy something at Dollar Tree, that's what you want right there is a dollar. You're going to need... Nine cents, I think, though, as well, in, in, in this part of Washington. Yeah, so we could use it. It's good because it's like, oh, good, I have a dollar. I can buy that, right? Sometimes we do need money for things, don't we, right? Yeah, if we just gave it all away, I don't know what would happen. You could give it to the church, right? Sometimes in the church they say, money is evil. Give it to us and we'll make it good, right? That's not quite how it works. I think what happens with, and we're going to hear this word uh, today is that when money becomes like, we put things up here that are holy to us, right? Jesus' blood and his body, but when this kind of overshadows those things, right? When this becomes the center of my life, this is what it's all about. I got to get this almighty dollar. <sighs> I need more money. I don't have enough money. Do you usually ever feel like you have enough money if you're going after it? Ask the adults. They'd probably say no. So God says, this isn't evil, but the love of it. Oh, I love money. That can be evil. Right? Or it can be a root of all kinds of evil things that can happen. Greed, selfishness, right? Trying to protect my money and not let anybody else have it. Right? It's mine. Right? But God says, put me at the center of your life. Put me at the center of your money. So you're giving and sharing and, and saving and all those kinds of things. And, um, and that will be a good thing. But the love of money, it says, is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say money is evil. It just says the love of it. Yeah, he's in the circle, right? We want to put God in the circle of our lives, right? Around everything we do, whether it's sports or school or all that kind of stuff. Oh, a dollar with a picture of a lamp on it. So it's like, God. Well, our money does say in God we trust, right? Kind of a little reminder. Don't worry, kids. I'm going to put this in the offering, not just in my pocket. All right. Well, that's a good thing for us to remember today and something that you're going to hear in the parable too. Let's pray. Dear God, We'll do a repeat prayer. Dear God, thank you for Jesus who puts himself at the center of our lives. Amen. Thanks for coming up. Yep. The first reading comes from 1 Timothy 6. 6 through 19. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. 
but those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses, in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time. For who he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves treasures of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. The word of the Lord. Give me your eyes so I can see everything there. 
a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, 
Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in the manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. I love when I'm in premarital counseling with a couple or uh, talking just to people about their closest relationships that they say something like, he really sees me or she really gets me. Or the more vulnerable statement and perhaps the most beautiful one is when they say things like, they know everything about me and they still love me. Crazy, right? Well, I recall several recent occasions saying that the three needs that we're told that humans have, you know, food and water, of course, but food, clothing, and shelter, um, are missing one element, one really important element, and that element is connection. A baby born in an orphanage that has no human contact, no contact or connection, is likely without any other health issues to die. And every baby born into the world uh, has something like a 1 in 12,000 chance of making eye contact with a person in that room if you kind of take the room and make it into a grid of all the places where your eyes would focus. And yet, every single child, regardless of race or color, uh, race or, or language or culture or any of other distinction, will within around three seconds make eye contact with another human in the room, as long as their brain development is normal. That's statistically impossible unless we are made for connection with one another, unless that's a gift for us to be connected with one another. Now, it may not be a coincidence then that the Bible tells us the work of Satan is to categorize, to disconnect us from one another, to feed our assumptions about one another, to categorize. In fact, I'll give you a little um, quick quiz here. Where is Satan introduced in the Bible? Job. Job is correct. Yes, sorry, Genesis, just a talking snake. So, <laughs> no points for you. No. <laughs> Satan is actually introduced and named in the book of Job as one who accuses, one who separates, one who casts suspicion and doubt and division. Seeing and assuming the worst in the other, whoever the other might be, 
And um, doing that, that division, that mistrust, that suspicion, that, that seeing the worst or assuming the worst is like this all-you-can-eat sumptuous buffet for the enemy to work in, kind of like the rich man feasts sumptuously. I, I think there's a lot of feasting going on with adversaries of God in our day and age. And perhaps, um, <clears throat> perhaps not seeing people at all, maybe that's the greatest dismissal, the greatest way to us and them, the world. Well, the rich man in the story Jesus tells today seems kind of in line with this adversarial condition. He seems to treat Lazarus as kind of, kind of nameless or kind of, kind of worthless, um, stepping over him at the gate in order to get into his feast kind of a thing. And that probably wouldn't be surprising to the audience that's listening to Jesus on this particular occasion. There are a few skeptical Pharisees kind of listening to what he has to say, kind of getting angrier and angrier, it seems. There's a mix of some other people. And then there are a whole lot of folks following Jesus, it seems, that would be in kind of the, the peasant masses, if you will. Um, but Jesus does something incredibly shocking for this crowd. He names Lazarus. He gives a name which is all of who you are. It's your whole identity. How, how you were named had everything to do with who you are. And he, he names Lazarus, who, who is the nobody, who's the, the beggar at the gate. Now, Lazarus means that God helps, or it means one helped by God. And so maybe that name has some kind of significance for kind of a, a group of people, not just this individual. But, but Jesus, for sure, when he gives this category of what's wrong with Lazarus, definitely is, is, is kind of speaking in a general way. So he seems to be generally speaking about those who have any kind of infirmity. This, this whole phrase, covered in sores, was kind of, in Greek, kind of um, meant it could have been a multitude of, of different kinds of illnesses. It's as if Jesus is putting forth this, this category of people that have been kind of boxed in um, and are seen as, as outcasts, are seen as, as less than, and they're even seen as sinful. They're the ones who are, you know, they're, they're being paid back for this sin that they've committed in some way by having this, this illness. And he undoes this kind of nameless dismissal of them by giving them this name, Lazarus. Now, perhaps the most shocking part of this story is that he does not name the rich man, who we know is important, not just because of his wealth, certainly, but or that he lives in a gated community, apparently. But even what he eats, even what he wears, shows us that he is like royalty. There's no doubt that everyone in that place would have known his name. They would have wanted to do business with him, be in his good graces, graces certainly sit at his table with all this food, be a partner with him in business, yes, next to him at the local synagogue, all of that. He is the blessed one. And certainly in Jesus' day, there was this kind of mindset, this assumption that those who prospered were blessed and beloved by God, whereas those who were poor and those who were sick and defective maybe in some way, they were serving punishment to God for some sin they had committed or maybe even the sin of their parents. Now, systems of power love this kind of theology, love this kind of understanding of God and people. But this is... Um, I mean, it's kind of that mindset like, my prosperity is a sign of God's blessings. And others' misfortunes, well, that's their problem. But this, folks, is a theology of simpletons. It's a theology of lazy people. Thank God we don't think like that today, right? 
such a sense of entitlement would wash over us if we thought we deserved the good things we get while others deserved evil things. Thank God we aren't entitled. Thank God we don't point the finger. Thank God we aren't simpletons of convenience like the people of Jesus' day. Okay, I'm going to have to take a sip of water to cool down <laughs> the arrows of my own words here as they're starting to feel very close to home. We've been joking kind of, of those of us who are preaching the last several weeks about which of us has had the toughest text to preach. <laughs> I started with a similar word from Jesus back on Labor Day. We kind of entered into this whole, this whole series that's kind of coming from Jesus, and he was talking about who to invite to the banquet um, to, again, to a, a rich Pharisee who had invited him to a, a lavish lunch. But there's this lineup, again, of sayings and of parables, and it's getting very pointed. And worst of all, Jesus is really, really clear in what he's saying. I mean, he seems to be on the straight tear of the law, convicting the haves around him who would, who would kind of domesticate this upside-down kingdom that he's introducing. And, and, and then he's offering a welcome, uh, a welcome worldview to those who are under their power. He's flipping things totally upside-down. He is absolute truth, and he's convicting absolute power. And that could be it for us. You know, maybe we just take our punch in the face from Jesus today, right? Go and sell everything you have, lest your love of money roots you in evil. Beware the afterlife where your chance for redemption is fenced off with a chasm so great, not even the greatest saint of the faith, Abraham himself, could bridge it. And hope, hope you have done enough not to be on the wrong side of that chasm. Sound good? Not really? <laughs> Or maybe, maybe we can't work our way to God, huh? Just prior to this parable today, kind of in between where Pastor Bill left off last week and where I've started today, there's this little bit, and Pastor Bill was saying he almost included it last Sunday, and I thought about it this Sunday as well. But it says that the, the Pharisees were lovers of money, and they loved to or sought to justify themselves. Well, here's the spoiler alert of the gospel. We can't justify ourselves. It doesn't work. Pastor Bill is quick to say that Moses doesn't get you into the promised land, right? The law doesn't get you there. And I might add from Jesus' words today, the obedience of Abraham doesn't get you there either. Christ gets you there, right? Magic Sunday school answer is always Jesus. <laughs> but we do. With God, all things are? Right. Now, that's enough. I think that's gospel for us, that there is one who does bridge that chasm, one who is greater than Abraham and Moses and any other. But I think that gospel, if we stop there, that can be kind of cheapened, sort of like, phew, we can wipe our brow and kind of put that text to the side and say, well, Jesus' words here don't really matter to me because he's going to work it all out for me in the end. You know, let me just get back to my nap here and I'll be fine. <laughs> I think there might be more. I think there might be more good news in this passage for today. This week we were looking for special music for this particular service, something that would kind of sing the gospel for us today. The choir was singing, sang at the first service, and so the, the song you just heard from Jessica, the voice Voigt, um, was what we chose. <laughs> but I was, uh, I was taking kind of a part day off on Thursday, and I was out working in the yard, and um, this song came on, and I thought, oh man. Maybe we should have chosen this one instead because it really, really seemed to speak this, this kind of understanding that Jesus is giving us today. So I'm standing out there um, um, 
kind of, well, I'll go to the song first. So maybe this, maybe this speaks the gospel better than anything else, I thought. But, but it starts out okay. It says, little hands, shoeless feet, lonely eyes looking at me. This is a song from Audio Adrenaline, by the way. Will we leave behind the innocent too brief? On their own, on the run, when their lives have only begun? These could be our daughters and our sons. And just like a drum, I can hear their hearts beating. I know my God won't let them be defeated. Every child has a dream to belong and be loved. And then this chorus hit. Boys become kings, girls will be queens, wrapped in your majesty. When we love, when we love the least of these, they will be brave and free. Now that all may sound really good, but with this gospel word ringing in my ears from Jesus today, I actually stood in my, my yard. I was, I was gonna plant a tree, I had this pickaxe in hand pickaxe in hand and I'm staring at the tree and all of a sudden I just yelled, no! I don't know if our wonderful neighbor was out with her new puppy schnitzel at the time, but if she was, she probably scooped him up and ran inside like, there's, there's the crazy pickaxe guy again, right? <laughs> but, but honestly, no, no, no. The shoeless and hungry and sick and downtrodden girls and boys and men and women and any others for that matter do not become kings and queens because I care for and love them. That is an arrogant and absurd word. They already are kings and queens. They already are children of God. They already are named and claimed and chosen and beloved. They already are brave and free. In fact, some of the bravest people I've met have had the least. Now, my apologies to Audio Adrenaline. I assume their heart is in the right place. I really do, but just know. <laughs> That's not how it works. It doesn't work through the filter of my love. My love responds to the reality that, Christ, that God has given us in Jesus Christ. That makes all the difference in the world to me. I hope it does to you too. That's what makes it different even when we serve as Christians, when we serve in Christ's name. It isn't filtered through us. Our love is, 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 is ah, founded in the love of Christ for all people. That's where we start. And I think that's what Jesus is inviting us to. You see, Jesus is calling us and, and really offering us the gift of seeing through his eyes. It's not just charity, although the word charity comes from the word charis, which means grace, but our use of that word, charity, like we sort of give and please go away now kind of thing, or this, or this sense of... Um, of just a kind of tolerance or, or just a simple kind of sympathy. That's not what it is for us. This is, a, this is a full embrace. Christ is absolutely the answer for the chasm to come. He's the only one who can cross it. He's the only one who can, who can reach down through my mistakes and my selfishness and all of the other ways that I sin again and again, and, and you as well. But he is also the destroyer of the gates at present. We often say that God's kingdom is already not yet. Well, it is. I would say it this way for, for the parable today. His kingdom is not yet, but it is also already. It is now. And we are invited to hear this, this central call of the law that God gives as a gift for the prosperity of all people. We are invited to hear the cry of the prophets for the widow, for the orphan, for the foreigner in our land as an invitation to step out of our narrow and self-centered feast and to join in the feast of the kingdom, to see with Jesus' eyes. Is this easy? 
No. Is it fulfilling? Yes. And I can tell you, and I'm sure you can tell each other stories of how it's been fulfilling and surprising and eye-opening and kingdom-bringing. With our prosperity, we have the most to lose, the greatest to risk, perhaps. But with our blindness, we have the most to gain as far as sight. Do you see? Do you see what Jesus is offering you today as gift and gospel? Amen. God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, and not only his Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit.
And now we come before God with our prayers. Almighty God, amidst the isolation of our modern world, by the power of your word and spirit, create and renew our connections to each other that we may share in the gospel. Open our eyes to see you and our neighbor and help them in every way we can. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we pray for peace in our world and for the many places of hunger and suffering. Inspire courage in leaders to stand up for what is right and stand against oppression and violence. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, protect our freedoms, our republic, and democracy. Give our leaders and nation courage to confront the causes of violence in our land. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for all those serving in the military, at home or abroad. Watch over them and their families. Lord, in your mercy. We hold before you our peace officers. Guide them in the decisions and judgment. Protect them and be with all their families, and especially the families of those officers killed in the line of duty. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for your blessing on all our schools. Lord, in your mercy. Be with parents and give them grace, wisdom, and peace. Lord, in your mercy. Continue to pour out your spirit on your church and on SLC, that we would connect more to Christ. Lord, in your mercy. For God, we celebrate with Dwight and Kathy Jones and their 50th anniversary and ask that you continue to give them your love. We pray for Ace as he is in vision rehab at the VA and ask for healing for him. And for Ray Schaefer and Terry Randolph as they continue to recover from knee replacement surgeries. Be with Gary as he battles an infection and Mary as she recovers at Northwoods. We lift up all those we know and love facing cancer and ask for your healing for them. For Priscilla and Elizabeth, Angela, Gary, Dave, Gail, Jim, Ron, Kathy, and Carol. And God, we now lift other names and concerns to you out loud or silently. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Open our eyes to see your face in the faces of everyone we meet this week, for they are all your beloved children. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the peace of the Lord be with you all. One another with God's
here and greet you in particular if you're a guest. This is our weekly announcement booklet, The Beacon, lets you know what's going on, and our ministry card gives you a way to sign up for what's going on. Um, one couple of things I do want to highlight today, uh, Financial Peace University. Anyone ever taken that or familiar with Dave Ramsey? It's amazing, right? Life-changing. <laughs> um, if you are struggling with debt, as 80% of us are, or whatever, you just need a kick in the butt or a way to talk to your spouse or whatever. If you're a young person just trying to recover from college debt, we're offering Financial Peace University again. Wonderful course. Um, check that out. Also, um, Sacred Grounds, which is our snack time after this service, does need some helpers. You can do with that. That'd be great. And then the Christ in Our Home are free um, quarterly devotional. That'll start this week in October. So pick one of those up. As we prepare now to worship with our offering, we lift up these and all the ministries of this church here and in our community, and we thank you for supporting them. We worship with our offering.
Let us pray. God of mercy and grace, we offer with joy and thanksgiving
mail to Gary Gray and Reed Nicholson, two of our shut-ins who are not able to get to church, so we bring church to them. So let us pray for them. God, as Pat takes this meal from this table, may it nourish Gary and me as it has nourished us. Fill them up with your spirit and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to please stand. Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. God of abundance, with this bread of life and cup of salvation, you have united us with Christ, making us one with all your people. Now send us forth in the power of your spirit that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
are grace-filled. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Thank you.